Hey, Kevin Shredlin here, and this week's episode of Grow the Show is going to be a little bit different than usual. You may have noticed upon clicking play that this one is way longer than usual episodes of Grow the Show, and there is a reason for that. Today, we are going to be giving you a sneak peek inside the Grow the Show podcast accelerator program and giving you full access to a Q&A session that we held with Eric Newsom. Eric Newsom is a godfather in the podcasting scene. He essentially brought podcasting to NPR in the 2000s. He would lead the podcasting division of NPR for a long time. He would lead podcasting at Audible for a long time. And recently, he launched his own podcast production company called Magnificent Noise. He's also the author of Make Noise, which is a book that I recommend you read if you haven't already. He was the very first guest of this podcast. So if you scroll all the way back to episode number two of Grow the Show, you will hear Eric's story and hear what he teaches. And overall, he is just a guiding light in what we do here at Grow the Show because he has taught me and everyone here so much. And Eric Newsom was gracious enough to hold a guest coaching session within the Grow the Show podcast accelerator. You're going to hear the questions that the Grow the Show clients asked Eric. You're going to hear his responses in full and in doing so, you're going to learn several different things, including how to make an amazing show, how to think about getting your first sponsors, how to think about who your audience is, and, and many, many, many more things. So please, please, please refer to this. I don't expect you to listen to all of this in one go, but I do think that you are going to find value in every single minute of what we've shared here today. And it is just going to be something that really helps you find clarity, I think, because Eric is just an absolute pro. So here's a very, very, very special thanks to Eric Newsom for holding this guest coaching session with our clients here at Grow the Show. Here's a special thanks to Catherine Nails, the associate producer of the Grow the Show podcast, who emceed this coaching session as well. You're gonna hear her voice first. And also, here's a very special thanks to our clients here at Grow the Show for allowing us to share their questions and for being vulnerable and allowing everyone else to get value from them being coached. So without further ado, this is the guest coaching session featuring Eric Newsom within the Grow the Show podcast accelerator, totally free, right here and now. Let me know what you think. This episode of Grow the Show is sponsored by Riverside.fm, the leading platform to record studio quality podcasts. More than 70,000 other podcasters use Riverside, including myself, Guy Raz, Gary Vee, Spotify, and even the New York Times. Riverside is not only great because it has unbelievably high recording quality, regardless of your or your guest's internet quality, but it also gives you separate audio and video tracks for each person speaking. It's high-tech, but easy to use. Unlike Zoom, you don't have to have anything installed on your computer, and your guests don't either. And did I mention that the audio quality is way better? If you're recording your interviews remotely, get off of Zoom now and hop into Riverside for your next interview. Your listeners will thank you. Head over to riverside.fm and use code GROW, that's G-R-O-W, to get 60 free minutes of recording and 15% off a membership plan. The link is in the show notes. Hello, everybody. We have a very special guest coach today. Our guest coach is podcast legend Eric Newsom. 
So Eric has been in podcasting for, I think, over 15 years now. Correct me if I'm wrong. He spearheaded NPR's podcasting efforts starting in 2005 and has developed a ton of really well-known, really popular, legendary shows. He has his own podcast production company called Make Magnificent Noise, and he's the author of Make Noise. That sounds familiar to you. It's because it's the book that we send everybody when you first join this program. So Eric obviously totally knows this stuff, and he is here to answer your questions. So I don't know if you want to say anything or add to that, Eric, before we get started. No. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, I, I enjoy doing these. These are fun. I'm really excited to hear you and hear from you and answer your questions and see how I can help you. Absolutely. And thank you again from everybody. We're getting some people in the chat saying that they're big fans. So I know we all appreciate you taking the time to be here. That's very kind. That's very kind. Um, so we sent out a job form a few days ago. And uh, those of you who submitted your questions via the job form will take priority. And then once we get through those job form questions, everybody, we will let you ask them as they come to your mind. So our first question comes from Diane and she wants to know what you think the future of podcasting looks like. Do you think the market will be flooded and dilute quality and interest, or are you hopeful that it will gain popularity and become more lucrative for those who survive? Well, I don't, I don't make predictions about the future. I often, whenever I'm asked to make predictions, I use it as a as a way to tell the truth about what's happening today rather than thinking about the future. So I, in fact, in most of these conversations on talking about the future, I always try to focus the conversation on what's not going to change. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so in the future, what's not going to change is there's still going to be people who want to hear voices and ideas and stories and, and they're going to want it to be easy to do. And podcasting continues to get easier and easier and easier yet a lot of the major companies try to make it harder and harder and harder by putting up roadblocks or obstacles or paywalls or, you know, please sign up. Or if you listen to my app, you can talk to other people that are listening to my app. It's like, just make it more complicated. And, and innovation always favors simple. So I would say that the future of podcasting will hopefully be things getting simpler, things getting easier, I think you've seen a lot of innovation in the past several years that has opened the floodgates for creators. Um, if you look at like Anchor and different tools are getting easier and easier to use. Creating a podcast is getting easier to use. And uh, so the barrier to entry is easy, right? It's almost non-existent. If you can operate a smartphone, you can be a podcaster. But the barrier to success is really, really high. And, you know, there are a thousand new podcasts a day, every day. And they're competing with a thousand yesterday and a thousand tomorrow, and a thousand the day after that. And all of the kind of like promotional infrastructure inside of podcasting was set up to support a world which was much, much, much smaller, where you would have a couple thousand a month, right? And so while it has grown exponentially, uh, podcasting has both, as a, both listening with half the population listening to podcasts and, you know, a thousand new podcasts a day I mean, when, when, when Steve Jobs announced that podcast was coming inside of iTunes, there were 3,000 podcasts in that directory that day. 3,000. Wow. And all anybody could say is, wow, that's an impossible amount of choice. <laughs> right? Now, uh, 
and now there are you know, arguably somewhere between three and five and a half million, depending on which which number you use. Uh, Spotify has millions more because they have Anchor, which makes it super easy to set up a podcast. And you know, my dog and I can do a podcast in twenty minutes and have it up on Anchor, and it counts in that six million number, even if we never decide to post the second episode. So it's probably closer to two and a half million. And I recently read that the number of podcasts that have updated in the last 90 days is only 150,000. So, huh. so in some ways there's like this glut of content, but also the number of podcasts that are available today is equal to the number of websites that existed in 1997. And wow. since 1997, People have found all sorts of interesting new things to do with the internet. So I think the podcasting will probably be very similar of you will be able to, it will change inevitably. Hopefully it will get easier. Hopefully it will, there'll, there'll be more of a YouTube like experience. YouTube is very egalitarian. It doesn't matter if you're a big studio or an independent, usually the right content finds the right people without a lot of static and interference. And that I think will unlock more. I don't, you know, being huge in podcasting isn't important as being is connected to the right people. Uh, it, yeah. you know, you can have an audience that literally numbers in the hundreds or thousands and have a thriving podcast. If those are the right hundreds or thousands of people. So it was a long was, answer, but that's the best I can do. That was a fantastic insight. Thank you so much. Um, I think it's, I'm like still stuck on the fact that there were 3,000, like just 3,000 podcasts uh, at any given moment. I know yeah. it sounded like so much. When, when Steve uh, Jobs action. got really excited about, it, it was actually before the iPhone came out. I think it was about a year before the iPhone was even announced. Uh, they had one of their big Apple keynote events. And the first item was we're bringing podcasts inside of iTunes. And you have your choice of 3,000 podcasts. And people were like, oh, and started applauding. And it's really kind of funny to watch. <laughs> That's wild. So we're kind of kind of doing about face with our next question from Monique, which uh, she says, after nearly three years of producing her podcast, she still feels like her workflow uh, is feeling a little bit clunky, a little inefficient. So do you have any recommendations for creating a podcasting workflow that's efficient and helps her save some time? Well, without knowing what a workflow is, I can't really give any recommendations. Uh, Monique, I, I'm always, if Monique is here. Yeah, I think she should be here. Monique, I think I saw her name hanging out here. Hey, it's Monique. Nice to hey. meet you. Nice to meet you. Give me the three sentence, three sentence version of your workflow. <laughs> I have a form that uh, potential guests fill out. So they, they fill out a questionnaire. Once I decide yes to them, then my assistant helps them, you know, gives them a link to get on my calendar. And then I, I interview them using Zencaster. I think the uh -huh. clunkiness comes in when it's time to edit and do the promo image and do the all the social media. Like, I hate all that. I hate it. Yeah, but it's the important stuff. It's the important stuff. It's the stuff that really, uh, I believe in allocating your time based on the importance of the task, right? And it's really hard, you know, I believe is if you've read Make Noise, my book, you'll, you'll see that I talk about the yin and yang between audience development and, and, and production and creation, that you can't just create something and expect the world to find it. You really have to think 
from the jump about how you're going to develop the audience around the thing you make. And the audience building work should take up as much time as it does the uh, the production of the episode. And the, the social assets, the, the time you spend on them are just as important as they are in researching guests and recording and editing, like all that stuff. And there are some tools you can look at that I think can improve workflow. Like I look at like, where am I kind of like spending a lot of my time, which feels like it's a disproportionate to the amount of benefit I'm getting out of that. And I either don't do it because if I'm not getting enough benefit, it's not worth my time. Or I just hunt around for what other people are doing at that stage to see if there's something else I could try. And like, for example, I started using a, an, a service called Headliner. I don't know if you have, are familiar with that. Yeah. It makes a lot, it auto-generates a lot of uh, social assets. You know, I am a big a believer in Descript, which is a great, fantastic tool for editing. And like one of the workflows I found was that we, we, would, we would edit Descript and then move it into Pro Tools to do our fine edits. And for some of our shows, we didn't need to do that. We could do get things uh, actually sounding great inside of the script for most episodes. So why not just the ones that um, need to be in Pro Tools will take out, but we don't need to make that extra step. So uh, we have one show that's now produced entirely in Pro Tools and never gets mixed in another editing program. So I think, you know, as far as workflow, I just like, you make a list of, you know, I have, I've actually just did this on a project, but like make a list of everything you do. I have a long, long, long list, every step you take, right? And then just start looking at it and start asking, like, am I getting returned for this that validates that amount of time? And if I had more time, where would I spend it? You know, like in this, this kind of theoretical world of, if I had an extra five hours a week, where would I spend it? And pay attention to where you gravitate towards, because those are the things that you feel have the most value in that process. So how can you make more space for those and less time for the things that don't feel like they're returning? And that's the only way I, I audit processes that way, if that helps at all. Thanks. And it's always had the attitude of, there's always a better way to do something. And networking with like your fellow students here or in you know podcast groups or on, online or what have you, or podcast clubs, there's always someone who's figured out a better way to do something than the way you're doing it, always. 100% Thanks. Fantastic. Thank you so much. It's great advice. Kevin actually has us do that pretty often and grow the show. So fantastic yeah. advice. And I can, I can say firsthand that it's definitely really helpful. Um, so I think our next question is from Meryl and Meryl wanted to ask this herself. Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us. I really loved the example you gave with the four-point circle um, and Joe, your, your yoga instructor in the book. And I was trying to practice my own and uh, just wondering in terms of feedback, if you had any to help tighten it up. No, we still do the four-point circle. I did one on Tuesday. We do it every, every, the two exercises are in that book that get, that I still do religiously at every meeting I do. Uh, is uh, the, the find your listener on Google Images and um, uh, the four-pointed circle. We've added one other question to that. So it's more like a five-pointed circle, but I'm not quite sure where the fifth question fits in. We ask now, what problem are you solving with your podcast? Mm -hmm. So not only who is it for, who are you, what are you trying to say, what's your message, and, and, and what's the effect you're trying to create, the, the four points on that circle, 
But there's also in that same conversation, we have another question, which is, what problem are you solving? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a little bit of, um, there's a catch to it, that it can't be your problem. It has to be somebody else's problem. It has to be the listener's problem. You solving your own problem, like I have a lot to say. I, I'm, I have a cheese podcast because I have a lot to say about cheese. And I want people to listen to me. That's your problem. That's not a listener's problem. Listeners are not going to care that you've got anything you have a lot to say about cheese. But if you're making a cheese, I don't know where this cheese podcast came from. But I'd like uh, just kind of thought it up at the top of my head. Uh, my my co-owner uh, of Magnificent Noise, Jesse Baker, and I, we always talk about quitting someday and opening a cheese shop. So, uh, which we think will be much easier than what we're doing now. But let's say you want to make a cheese podcast and you want to target it towards people who are new to artisanal cheese as 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 makers of artisanal cheese. They're new. They're, they're, they're cheese hobbyists, cheese making hobbyists, and they're trying to figure out like how to navigate. Uh, making their own cheese and like different types of cheese they can make and so on and so forth. They're really learners about this process of cheese making. And you as a cheese expert are helping them solve their problem of knowing, kind of learning and knowing how to make cheese well and also connecting them to a community of other listeners who are other cheese makers, right? Mm -hmm. So that's solving their problem. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a futurist named Neil Postman who's been dead for many years, but he used to always say, I read him when I was in college, he said, um, technology is only good when it solves a problem and the problem can't be yours. And, you, and every new technology that solves a problem creates another problem. And so your problem, has the, the, your solution, your technology uh, needs to solve more problems than it creates. So I, I think that, you know, so that's the only change to the exercise really is what problem are you solving? The problems can be, I want to laugh from a listener's perspective. I want to laugh. I want to feel less alone. Like if I... Like, like, uh, let's say you have a podcast that's targeted towards people who are, are dealing with a disease and living with a disease. Like, and you are making them feel far less alone by having this community of people who are this, this podcast. A problem can be, I don't understand what's going on in the world. Can someone please explain it to me? Mm -hmm. I don't understand what's going on in this part of the world or this, uh, in this area, or I'm really excited about Hummel figurines. Can someone tell me about Hummel figurines? Like that's a problem that people have and a podcast solves that. And if you can't answer what your problem, your podcast solving is really no point in doing it, in my opinion. Right. So. Uh, thank you. Um, I do have a problem that I'm solving. Uh, sometimes I wonder if it's too generic or if it's not specific enough, but it sounds like as long as my audience has that problem, it's okay. As long as an identifiable group of people who you can find have that problem and you're speaking to those people, you're all right. Okay. Thank you very sure. much. Was fantastic, fantastic info there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead just due to the mic issues and ask Meryl's question for her. Um, and her question is that she's been using a Logitech camera to record her video when she records her show. She uses the Zoom platform for recording uh, and that is just not working. It keeps going out of focus uh, and she's having troubles finding some alternatives. So do you have uh, any suggestions for a good quality camera? Um, no, I don't. I'm not, uh, not very, I, I am a very kind of like let other people figure it out and I'll follow the recommendations be towards tech in general. And I know even less about cameras. Um, I think that part of something you may want to try is also recording on like Zencaster or Riverside or Squadcast 
and try because they their their technology works a little different than Zoom, and you may get a much better quality recording out of it. Um, where Zoom is not going to give you a high fidelity recording, uh, the uh, all three of those Zencaster, Squadcast, and Riverside all use the camera either on your laptop or a USB camera differently, and may be able to get you a better quality. Yeah, I agree. And we it looks like some of your classmates are are coming up with some suggestions too. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's the end of our pre-submitted questions. So anybody else who has a question, feel free to raise your hand starting now. Uh, but in the meantime, I was curious, Eric, and I think you might have mentioned this before. Forgive me if you haven't. If you uh, have plans to uh, write another podcasting book, uh, and if so, what would you include? Oh, it's interesting because the book has done really well, but I've had zero conversation about about doing a second one. Um, <laughs> and I don't, I, there are some subjects I just didn't have space to discuss before. You know, Make Noise was written so that it could have a very long shelf life. It's no, there's no tech stuff in it. There's no how-tos, like process-wise, because everything, as soon as you publish the book, is going to be outdated because everything mm -hmm. changes. But I, I figured that was for somebody else's thing. But uh, I did not touch much on the use of sound or music in podcasting. There's like a scoring element or themes or so on and so forth. That's a huge area that I just ran out of space for. There's a couple other things, a bit more advanced view towards editing and kind of story mm -hmm. selection, so on and so forth. And you know, when I look at what people struggle with, there's a big disconnect between their, you know, when people come and ask me, what should I podcast about? I respond, what do you care about? What are you passionate about? If they don't have an answer, they shouldn't make a podcast. Yeah. So a little bit more of that, you know, I wrote the book because I was saying the same things over and over and over and over and over again. So I'd have to make a new list of things I'm saying over and over and over again. Um, I do have, I do have a newsletter. It's uh, called The Audio Insurgent. If you go to audioinsurgent.com or you go to ericnewsom.com at the top, there's a thing that says newsletter that you can uh, sign up. And I put that out every couple of weeks. And uh, those tend to be, they, they're written very much in the same tone as Make Noise. And it's uh, something that uh, kind of feels like a continuation of that book. Fantastic. I think that's great. And I think um, I'd love to hear a little bit more, just like a brief summary of what you would say to this group regarding, because I know you mentioned um, use of sound and scoring in the podcast. It was something that you would maybe include had you had more space in your book. Yeah. So, you know, I talk to people... You know, if there's two things that surprise people when they talk to me. It's, you know, I have a lot of opinions about format. And I have a lot of opinions about sound design and aesthetics. And yet at the same time, I try to not create boxes that I don't need to live inside of. So if you look at a lot of the shows that I do, you'll see they don't have consistent formats. Like every episode's produced differently. Every episode can sound different. Every episode has, it's like, what does this need in order to convey these ideas? If you look at, the most recent season of Far Flung, which we just finished last month, which is a TED pod, podcast that I do. Mm -hmm. It's 10 different episodes. Not There are not two of them that, that sound like. There's not a shared a, a second of shared music between them. There's uh, And they're organized very differently. So they don't necessarily even have like a, a, a format or any kind of consistent flow within that episode. And we do that a lot. Even with things that are... We have some things that have some general format to them, but we just don't like to, you know, I, I've always said you're a victim of the rules that you live by. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's bad. But people say, 
how long should my theme music be? And I always say, why do you have a theme? What does that do for you? And they assume when I say that, that I'm implying that they shouldn't have music. Not. So everything in every moment of your podcast should be a deliberate choice and a purposeful choice. And if you don't need a theme music, if you don't have a reason to have a theme there, why is it there? If you don't, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, I start off with 15 seconds of music to set the mood. Like 15, you know, the average person listens to about 17 seconds of a podcast episode to decide if it's going to, if it's relevant to them or not. So basically burned up with your 15 seconds, you burned up, you're living yourself two seconds to make an impression on somebody. Like, why? Is that the best use of your time? Is it the best use of your listener's time? You got to sit there and listen to 15 mm-hmm. seconds of this music again and again and again. It's like, what is the point? And if the point is there is a, there is a reason, like the reason is that um, I have a different, I start my podcast with a different voice every time. And I want to have something consistent that let's let this provide some sort of kind of a through line between my episodes. Like that's a that's a good reason. That's a purposeful reason. So I can't think of a second, but that's a good one right there. Uh, and so that's to me is uh, that's a purpose. And so everything. And then like, should I put music underneath my stories or my conversations? What's the purpose of it? What's the purpose of it? And sometimes. And so we take. And this is going to be so hard to say because if you look at a lot of my work, you'll see a lot of it is scored. There's a tremendous lot of it that's scored like a movie. It does like there's lots of music in it. Like even since I mentioned that far flung, it gives us tons of music throughout far flung, right? Almost every episode, except when it doesn't serve a purpose. And then like we like if you look at the Iceland episode, for example, in that season, there's hardly any music in it at all. And the reason there was hardly any music in it is it didn't need it. We put music in it, we're like, it's just too busy. There's too much going on, it's losing focus. So we took almost all of it out but it still feels like a far-flung episode. So, hmm. you know, I, I think that the big thing about music and so on and so forth is there are no rules. What you feel is right is right, but make sure what you're doing has intention and purpose and let that be your guide. Don't do it because somebody else does it or a podcast you like does it. Do it, have it or not have it because it's what's right for you. That's fantastic advice. I know personally at Grow the Show, we tend to shy away from using music just for the exact reason that you said. We don't feel that it would really serve us or our audience purpose. I do see we have a couple of hands up. However, I am realizing I skipped over one of our uh, submitted questions. So I'm going to make sure we get to that. Um, And that question is, this podcaster is in health and wellness and they, she speaks to women with autoimmune and burnout conditions. Her podcast mainly does interviews where these people share um, options and opinions that aren't mainstream, but she's feeling the need for a certain level of journalistic inquiry and fact checking as she progresses and has these people on because, you know, I don't think she wants to be spreading false or potentially harmful information. However, she thinks that this will also be a ton of more time and effort that than what she really has the bandwidth for. So she was wondering what your thoughts and expectations are in terms of uh, the uh, podcasters' ethical responsibilities to their listeners. So I, there was a lot in that question. I was listening, and I, I, I'm having trouble framing this question. So they want to know if they the, the ethical responsibility they have to their listeners to do what specifically the information they are including or or, or, or yeah, so triggering she, them or like, like, like that, like when you hear that, so, what do you think that question means? 
So in short, yeah, this person essentially has a health and wellness podcast that, um, right. And she interviews people who are giving options and opinions that are outside of, uh, what's the mainstream sort of outside the norm of what's recommended for people. Um, she's not sure that she has the bandwidth to do a ton of fact checking. And so I think she was just curious. Oh, right, 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 right. Like, like, um, like, sort right, of, right. Yeah. Okay. Now I understand. So the relationship between you as a creator and your audience is a trust-based relationship. They trust you. Right. And, and especially when you're in the health and wellness space, that trust has even more impact and importance. Right. And I, so I, I'm just having heard nothing of your podcast. I would say that, you bear a lot of responsibility to be the caretaker of your community and the caretaker of your listeners. Does that mean you need to fact check everything that's said? Nope. But if you don't feel comfortable with what someone is saying, I think you need to flag that or you should, that person shouldn't be on your podcast. If you don't trust them, if you don't think what they're saying is of interest or is worth exploring or considering, and some of that is how you frame it too, like if you say, hey, you know, uh, Annette is here this week and Annette has some great, has a weight loss system that is, really sounds amazing. And the weight loss system is, is like eating nothing but peanut butter all day, right? You know, I, actually, I think there was a peanut butter diet at some point. I, was, I, I remember that's like a triggering for me of a memory of, of there being something called the peanut butter diet. But let's say, let's say that the, that instead, let's say that the diet is eating nothing but oranges all day. Right. That's why you just eat oranges nonstop. Right. If you present that and just pass that to your listeners, your listeners assume that because they trust you, they should trust this. That I think is a is is a is a failing. But if you said, if you take the position of let's explore this as an idea, listeners together, I'm not endorsing this, but I'm just kind of curious as to why this person feels this way. Right. Mm. Or you could also decide, and I'm not a big fan of both sideisms. But is there somebody you could talk to who might be able to, to listen to that and, and with you? And like you could like like reach out to a nutritionist and say, mm-hmm. look, I know this person I'm talking about this diet. Could could you listen in and you and I talk about it afterwards? So it doesn't put you in the position of bearing all the weight of responsibility. And you can also have a couple like reactions and insights on things. So I think that you do have an I think the thing that threw me when you're asking that question was the word ethical, because mm-hmm it doesn't even get to the point of being ethical. It's like the humanity of your relationship with your audience, um, the mutual respect that's involved requires you to be very careful about what you're putting in front of people. It doesn't require you to be perfect. It doesn't require everything to be fact-checked, but it requires you to, you have a responsibility, let's put it that way, to do something. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think that was some great advice, especially given the time constraints this person has, because... Yeah. The advice you gave is something that's not going to take up a ton of extra time. So now that we've gotten through you know, all April, of that. So just, just, yeah, let me, let me add a little coda onto that too, because you mm-hmm. talked about time. I think it's always really important to have a vision of what you want your show to be. Uh, this is another example of this. Have a vision of what you want your show to be. And if you have an idea for an episode that doesn't live up to it, you should not do it. Mm-hmm. If you're not, if, if it would require you to put in more time than you have the ability to give, do another topic, right? It's to say, you know, sometimes we get ourselves, me, in this rabbit hole of if I just keep editing it, it will get better. And sometimes I keep editing it and it gets worse. 
Or, or it doesn't, it never kind of comes. Like at some point I have to say, look, this idea is not working. And it's not just a matter of editorial, like, is it interesting? It's also, can I do the right treatment of this for the time I have available? And it's okay for the answer to be no. That is, yeah, no, I mean, as always, fantastic advice. And I can say personally, you know, it's not a failure if it doesn't work. Sometimes you're, no, don't work. We've cut some Grow the Show episodes because we just didn't feel like it was going to serve our audience in the way we felt like they deserved. Um, And that's, I always say that the amount you're willing to risk equals the amount you're going to gain. So if you're not taking much risk, you're not going to gain. And taking risk means that sometimes things aren't going to work the way you thought. And that's okay. Exactly. Couldn't put it better myself. So I think next up we have Steve with a raised hand in the chat. Here he is. Well, we have two questioners for the price of one. (laughs) So I don't normally come to these Friday sessions uh, because I'm on dead duty, but um, I thought seeing as you were here, Eric, I thought uh, I'd be here. So um, pleasure to meet you. And the first thing I'll say is I wish I'd taken your advice six months ago in terms of niching down because um, we're at the point with our podcast now that uh, I just realized that we're not specific enough. So my podcast is Escape the 9 to 5, which is um, helping working professionals um, escape the 9 to 5 and find a career they love. And now I've come to the realization that in order to be specific enough, it needs to be um, helping veterinary professionals who don't enjoy their career to make a career change so the question that I have for you is I want the podcast to also relate to medical professionals and I'm a little bit nervous about when I niche down it will be aimed for veterinary professionals but when I'm sort of talking on the podcast if I talk only to veterinary professionals it immediately anyone who's a doctor or a dentist or something in a similar field will turn or likely turn the podcast off So my question to you is, can I niche down to the level of veterinary professional without directly addressing them when I'm talking on the podcast? Like, what would your advice be there? Because my ultimate aim would be for the podcast to apply to medical professionals in general. But yeah, I don't want to scare off doctors and dentists and similar professionals just because when I go on the podcast, I say, this podcast is for veterinary professionals who need help making a career change. What's your perspective on that. Well, uh, and if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying veterinary, like as in animals, correct? Yes, veterinary, yes. Yeah. I think it's a great niche. And I think that you could even get nichier than that if you so desired. People who are new in their career, mid-career, late career, people who are in rural areas, urban areas, is very you know, veterinary medicine is very kind of a broad field in some ways. But when you're talking about wanting to exclude dentists or doctors or whatever, there has to be some medical professionals is too way too broad. You know, it includes the phlebotomist at the local doctor's office up to the university medical researcher to, you know, a caregiver in a, in a retirement home is like uh, lots of people fall under that umbrella. And it's okay. It's okay to either specialize by field or to specialize by, a problem they have that you you might be able to help them with needing to change careers or needing to change specialty. That's I've heard you mention that a couple of times. That's a, that's very specialized, but I think you can't do, unless you want to talk to veterinary medical professionals who want to change careers or at the midpoint in their career, which I think is actually would be an interesting niche, right? But the, uh, uh, it's kind of hard 
So when you talk about targeting someone, you're never going to have, she's not buying it. Uh, he's not buying it. The child's not buying it. Um, whenever you are talking about a target audience, that's not, that doesn't mean that's the only person that's going to listen. Other people will find value in that conversation. But it's kind of hard to target someone unless both you and they are clearly, that's the target. That's who the community you want to speak with. Um, I'm not sure if that's helpful to you or not. Yeah, I mean, the, the um, I'll just move away from a baby so that we can get a proper opinion then. Um, oh, no, the baby's yeah. fine. The, um, the thing I always compare it to is Kevin with his show, Grow the Show. He His target audience is um, Grow the Show for entrepreneurs, but it's not made clear in the podcast, which means that he can actually apply to entertainment podcasters as well. I'm just like struggling with the dilemma of, I know that I need to niche down to a level of those are the people that I'm speaking to in the background, but do I need to implicitly state it in the podcast or can I be a little bit more vague and and say you know um, doctors dentists and veterinarians or do you think that even when I'm talking on the podcast I really need to 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 niche down and and talk specifically to veterinarians only I think you need to niche down to be super clear in everything in everything from your descriptive text to your title how you introduce the show like I, I was speaking to someone the other day an amateur podcaster who came up with a podcast they're working on I asked them to describe it, and they said, we're two young people explaining hip stuff to old people. <laughs> like, that's what their podcast is, right? And, uh, but they know who they're speaking to. And I'm like, that could be your title. That could be the first line of your, 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 pod, your show description and all sorts of things. And it, it, it answers every question. Like, who is this for, right? And that doesn't mean that people who aren't old uh, are going to not want to listen to it, but they're super clear. Right. Um, And I think that if you make a similar statement in your podcast, like, look, we're the podcast that is about X for veterinary professionals. Someone who comes across that may still want to listen, even if they don't fall in that group, because they're interested in what what you've learned and what your community is learning, what you're talking about. Yeah. We listen to podcasts that aren't targeted to us all the time. We just don't think about it. Mm -hmm. that, That happens all the time. I think that answers my uh, question. Thanks, Eric, and thanks for uh, tolerating little Nala here, who's a little bit grumpy that she's not centre of attention. <laughs> well, you know, we can all wave at her. Hi. 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 <laughs> she's not bad. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Eric. But, um, you bet. It's a midday cup of coffee like I do. Um, <laughs> I think our next, I think our next uh, raised hand is from Paris and Paris is joining us via her phone. Yes. Hi, Eric. Thanks for, um, I just have a quick question. So when you were talking about the niching down, so my podcast, I just want to ask you this because I know it's um, centered around. So it's for those living with bipolar disorder or people who have loved ones who are to learn like solutions for living well, or like from guests coming on, sharing like their stories, their experience, what's been helpful, what's not been helpful. Do you think that is like niche down enough? Cause it's not like, it's not like it's for women with bipolar or like men with, it's like just everyone in general. There. So yes and no, I think it's, it's um, a conversation that people can learn from. I think that, you know, the, the amount of focus you have 
is directly related to the amount of potential impact you can have inside that community. So it's kind of like generalized for people who deal with bipolar, who suffer from that or deal with that. And, you know, mm-hmm. Looking at it for being for young women or parents who are bipolar or mm-hmm. parents of bipolar children, like, like almost any further slice down, it becomes, it becomes much more vivid. To, to, and, and that doesn't mean, by the way, it doesn't mean 100% of the time you can talk about nothing but that. It means that that is your focus and your anchor. And okay. I think that if you say, like, I am putting together a, I'm making this up. I don't know anything about you. So I'm just making this up. <laughs> but I am making a podcast for young people, men and women, who uh, work in the arts field and also uh, uh, are bipolar. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't know what you, what you do for a living, what you're right? Like, that is like, wow. Like, that's a podcast that someone's going to look at and say, that's for me. I'm really interested in that. Mm-hmm. And kind of going back to the last question about, you can see lots of people who may have, um, they may be bipolar, they may have people in their life who are bipolar, that they support or connected to and love. They still might listen to that just to hear that, to, to mm-hmm. find out what... Uh, what you're learning and what you're exploring. So I just think that the more niche you can get, especially when you're dealing, um, it's not like there's like a thousand, there probably is a thousand, 10,000, a hundred thousand podcasts for people with bi- who are bipolar, but there's a lot. So like always look for the white space. What can I do that nobody else is doing, but yet I can do it. Like it makes sense for me to do it. There's an example in the book. I just saw the guy three, like three, four weeks ago there's an example of the book of a guy who is a real estate agent in Northern California who makes a podcast just for other real estate agents in Northern California. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure other real estate agents would listen to it and enjoy it. Here's, oh, she's, you know, but, but it's really targeted. Them. Here's an even better example. I, um, uh, last year did some mentoring uh, through a sort of program that someone uh, connected me to of two young women who were starting a podcast about growing up Arab uh, American in Dearborn, Michigan. It's called Dearborn Girl. It's still it's still available. I don't think they think they're taking a break from it. But Dearborn Girl is about like life as a Arab American young woman in in Dearborn, Michigan. And as they started to grow, they started to realize that all these other young Arab women from other parts of the country were listening to the podcast and writing in and wanting to participate. They had no connection to Dearborn whatsoever, but they were connected to the being Arab American, growing up in that unique culture in in a uh, in the United States, and and they related to the podcast. So even though it had a really fine target of what it wanted to be, a very clear niche, other people saw value in it and, and joined in it. So so yeah, I think that if you try to make it inclusive by making it broader, you mm-hmm. actually make it less impactful in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's super helpful because that's something that I because originally it was just mental health in general, just mental health, yeah, and that anyone can come Aren't on and broad. say. Right. Yeah. So, but it's called Master Your Mental. So I'm like, I was like, oh, should I change the name? Should I do this? And then yes. I think focusing on like narrowing it to like women, because that's specifically like, I don't know, I'll have to think more, think more on that. But yeah, no, that was helpful instead of just because I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's already niche enough. But yeah, that makes sense. Like the more you know, we say it was Master the Mental, Master Your Mental, Master Your Mental. So that's, that's, it's a clever title and that's actually not a compliment. I actually don't like clever titles. Um, I, I like things that are very literal or, 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 or actually kind of 
are evoking what that show is. And that the reason I don't like that title as much is it's it could be a thousand different things. Yeah. Right. And 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 I think that you're in a space with a lot of other people, and yet you have something very unique to offer. Mm-hmm. So what focus on the uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because I was thinking of putting like bipolar in it or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so you're saying yeah. I'm just gonna have to think more. Yeah, but no, that that helps a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Thank um, you so much. I, just just real quickly, like I'm just gonna continue to use this made up example of uh, of people who work in the arts who are bipolar, calling it the bipolar artist, <laughs> or, or or something like. It doesn't have to be so, that's really, really blandly li- literal, but it should be something that someone's like, oh, I get that. Or if it is a clever reference, it's something that someone in that group would get immediately. Like they'd understand what it means. Like, uh, let's say that you um, uh, are doing something that's meant for for bipolar people in the, uh, who are computer coders. Let's say, I'm just making that up. Like some like piece of code snippet, code snippet would be a great title for that. Uh, because that they that would they would ID that and immediately know that's us. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm gonna think more. Woman with my yeah. Thanks, Nicole, <laughs> for the ideas. But yeah, I'm gonna think. That, but no, thanks. Thanks so much. That was like super helpful. Just to like get more get more clarity on that. And then these calls are always helpful. So thanks, Eric. Absolutely. Sure. We are all about podcasts that fall into that category of one. Jeremy, I did see you had your hand up. I'm not sure if you yeah, still have a question I, or. Well, I I feel like maybe you just answered it because I I've I've been hearing more and more people talking about onlyness in podcasting, and I don't you know I'm I'm another health and wellness podcast, right? I mean, there's four million of them, and the perspective that we've brought to our show has always been that we are not you know the beach body professional with the training program and the nutrition plan and. You know, we don't, we don't have a thing to sell you to help you lose 20 pounds. We're a couple guys on a mission to sure. take care of better care of ourselves. And we're trying to help other guys do that. And so it's really hard to find our onlyness other than, Hey, we're, we're not trying to sell you something. We're not experts. We're just a few steps ahead. And so I, I guess I don't know if I'm asking you to help me niche that down, but uh, I guess how important is it to find that onlyness and do we have to have that thing and do you think we found it in just being, you know, honest guys that are a couple steps ahead of whoever's listening? Hard to imagine that that's, you, you've got it with just that. Right. There's uh, there's a different, but that doesn't mean you're like off track. This means it's a different way of framing it that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, like an example is not a podcast. Actually, it's a YouTube channel that I follow. I enjoy camping. I enjoy like you know, going out and doing it. And it's like, there's this guy, Dan, uh, who has a, a, a really fun channel who just tries gear out and he's not an expert, claims it's waterproof and pours water all over it. Like, and then in the process learns, like there's actually a rating for tent waterproofness, right? And like, he, this is legitimately, he's learning this. So he yeah. literally is, he was talking about a couple steps ahead. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's he's talking about the gear, but he's also talking about his journey. It's about, hey, I'm ahead of you in this. It's like, right. you learn from my experience too, not just what yeah. I've learned. And it's like, it's a bit more of a, yeah. That, that, that's largely what we do is we, it's always an interview. So we always have somebody who actually knows what they're talking about and we will do the interview. And then we sort of add context of, you know, this is the thing we struggle with. This is one solution you can consider to try and do better at it. And, you know, bring in the interview and then mm-hmm. some sort of, you know, what are the key takeaways from, from that interview and here's how to, how to improve your life. And 
in doing so, you know, we always try and imagine, you know, ourselves 10 years ago when we started our own journey, that's the guy we're talking to. The guy who's in his thirties, kind of sick of his own crap, wants to do something different, doesn't really know what to do, where to turn. So that's the guy that we're talking to. But what's interesting is it's his wife and his girlfriend that keep showing up and sending us notes saying, oh, I wish my boyfriend would listen. Oh, I wish my husband would listen to this. And I always just think, yeah, I wish they would too. <laughs> yes. What do you call your podcast? The Fit Mess. The Fit Mess. You know, uh, that's not terribly specific. Um, uh, it, it, the Fit Mess could mean a bunch of different things. Yep. Um, uh, you, know, you may want to think about, I, I, I'm I, like on something like the evokes, I'm you in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah. you are me 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, something that like like is a little bit more like to that like and then uh, you know that may, that may be uh, something that kind of because you know the reason I focus so much on descriptions and the reason I focus so much on titles is because you know open your phone and open a podcast app and look at the just the immediate just bang of just stuff yeah and as you're scrolling through or if you're like like listeners also like and there's that 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 ribbon of other yeah. things there. Like how how are you going to get a chance to break through that unless you're just being super clear about what you're delivering? I, I gave a you similar know? analogy and, to somebody the other day. I was I was driving through this town where I, I'm new in this area, and there's this store that I've driven by a hundred times. It's called Marks. No idea what they sell. I I had to hear a radio ad from someone like, <laughs> oh, it's a department store. Like, oh, I literally I never would have walked in the door. Never would have given it a second thought because what the hell is Marks? And so I've been trying to apply that to when I talk to other podcasters, be super clear about what the title is. Otherwise, nobody's going to hit play. Uh, when I go down the street, uh, when I'm going down, actually down the, the highway here, I pass the man cave store. No question what's in the man no, exactly cave. Exactly what's in there. Yep. yep right. True. If I want a pool table, I want a dartboard, I want something that blinks with a beer logo on it. Right. I'm going to the man cave, cave store. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, but when there's, if there's, 50 stores lined up and they're all called Marks or Henry's or, or some sort of like elect, uh, you know, Allegra or something. I don't know, whatever the, some, some sort of like store sounding name that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. How are you going to bust through and figure out what store is the right one for you to go to if you need something yep. and podcasting again, like, you know, it's all about connecting to community. Mm -hmm. And I think that just, so just a little bit of advice for you having never heard your podcast at sure. all. It's really an editorial. Humility is a really sticky editorial comment or, co or, or perspective to take of like saying, look, I don't have anything figured out. I'm, I'm a seeker like you are. I'm in a different stage in my journey, but I'm just as much of a seeker as you are. Yeah. And I'm learning right with you. Yeah. That that's a really, that's a really powerful editorial position that people look at and they, they, people trust humility. Yeah. And that's where that's where we've been from coming from day one is just the right we, we right. don't know if you're like hey it. i figured it out better than you have or i'm a step a couple steps ahead of you that can seem a little bit like i'm a different level than you and that's not right. what people are seeking out we're right, seeking right. out someone who's like you know i i i have i just happen to have a podcast but right. i'm a seeker like you are yeah okay i like that that's helpful cool thank you so much for your time appreciate it sure yeah fantastic just chock full of so much good information I think our next raised hand is Lydia. 
So um, I've got a podcast I'm just starting off and it is um, all about Kansas City business centers and how to get them connected. So it's Connect KC um, and just how to get how to get them um, just networking, I guess you could say. So getting to know more about different businesses and so forth. And I, I'm, a, I'm a life coach, so I'm just wanting to get into the, their mindset and see what hurdles have they gone through? How can they help other business owners that may be in the same place as they are, or um, maybe just a step ahead? And how can they how can they help? So, or even ones that are struggling, just give a breath of fresh air and some motivation to them. So, um, anyways, what are your thoughts about that? Connect KC as, or do I need to niche down even more and be more specific as towards what kind of companies and so forth? So if they were all to say to you something like, uh, is Kansas City, is that what you said KC stands yeah, for? Yeah, Kansas City, yep, Kansas City, Missouri, yep. So Kansas City, is there something they would all say to you that you think unites them outside of their geographic location? Not necessarily, I don't think so. I think I'll get a mixed bag of things. <laughs> it's, and have you started producing this yet or? No, I haven't. Or, uh, um, nope. So I find, sorry, I'm, move my microphone down here because no, this is not okay. plugged in but it's it's hanging right above my head because i moved it after <laughs> i did an interview earlier today it's like hanging over my head waiting for it to fall over and clunk on the forehead but why so a small business owner is incredibly time poor and incredibly has so many demands on their attention and their time why would they want to listen to this podcast good 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 question i guess they I'll either if if you're really trying to do it by Kansas City, what are the unique things that are happening that they would care about? That they want to, like, you know, doing business in the state of Missouri or doing business in Kansas City or like regulatory problems that are really common in the food service industry in Kansas City or the new development, how that can affect business in Kansas City. It's like, you know, like, like, like that kind of stuff, I think is really like, if, you're, if you really want to be for people in Kansas City, make it about Kansas City. Like, what are they okay. going to care about? What trouble? And then, you know, there's a, a great use of podcasting is just to share pain of like, you know, we have to deal with this and we're, we're united in dealing with this. And, oh, it doesn't matter if I own an independent pharmacy or a nightclub or I'm a, a home health care service, right? And this is like like a labor shortage or, the, the uh, you know, uh, which is probably unique there. Labor situation is unique as it is in most places. Um uh, you know, like also to like, what are they talking about that they want to talk about to each other? And and how can you not just provide an avenue for them to talk or to to, the, to talk about the issues, but to come up with solutions and ideas? Uh, a lot of times when dealing with entrepreneurs or business owners or people who are starting new things up, it's often like, here's some, let me tell you my cocktail party version or my brunch version of my story in which I come out looking really good at the end and all the adversity I've experienced, I came up with a perfect solution, implemented it, it worked perfectly. I mean, I hear that story so many times. Right now we're, we're producing a podcast um, which is focusing on social justice entrepreneurs. And the theme of the podcast is let's talk about everything you screwed up. That's it. We don't want to hear how great success it is. When did you screw up? Like, what yeah. was the worst mistake you made? And that's a great story, right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and so it's, and, and, and other social justice entrepreneurs can hear that and relate to that and go, oh yeah, I get that. I totally get that. I, um, and, uh, something I just did some free consulting on last year was a podcast for election poll workers. 
that was just for other election poll workers. As you can imagine, with all that's been going on about stolen elections and so on and so forth, uh, oh yeah, um, they got a lot to talk about. They have a lot to talk about, and they feel very alone. They feel very much like no one in my government, no one in my community appreciates or understands what we're trying to do or what's involved with it. And yet, when you get the person from this this community talking to the person. From this, they recognize that and they, they feel, wow, you know, I'm not the only person who's struggling with this. And when I hear about somebody else's struggle, I learn from it too. Right. right? And so, yeah, so that I think is something to keep in mind too. It's not, if you just say, hey, let's net- network, it's like, I'm busy. I don't have time for it. But you say, hey, here's a space where, where you know, you get it, right? I would say like, even though uh, I'm a podcast, a podcast production company, I'm a small business owner with 12 employees, right? And when I walk into the shop, the bakery downtown, and I talk to the owner there, I, I share a lot with her because she's a small business owner trying to keep things going during the pandemic and has problems with that. Yeah. I empathize with other small business owners in a way I never did before. Oh, I started true. My voice. Well, so so there's so much that they, 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 can, they can connect on. It's funny you mentioned the pandemic because I actually thought about throwing that in post-pandemic. How did it affect you? What did you yeah. What did you come out learning, and what made you better? Like, oh, what What was the worst mistake you made during the pandemic? Yeah, what okay. was the worst mistake you made? So maybe I will go that way because that's where my where my head's been telling me like, how did these like I'm like, how did you make it through this? Like, you've been around so many years. How did you make it through it versus Joe Schmo over here? You know. So, anyways, I'll I'll play around with that a bit. Yeah, you know, and, and remember what I said to the last gentleman, uh, that vulnerability is, is very sticky. Uh, it, it is a editorial position that lots of people will listen to vulnerability and they respect vulnerability. And yeah. your ex- oddly, when you make yourself vulnerable, your expertise and trust increase too. Yep, for sure. It's transparency. People like that. Sure. Thank it's you so much. It's not just transparency. It's being, it's being transparent. And showing that, yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure this out too, just like you. Yeah, cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. Fantastic. Love that. Kathy, I think you have another question for us. Hearing all these questions about naming the show and the importance that you place on it, I had a question about um, the name of my show because I was considering changing it. Um, so I would love to hear your feedback. Should I just tell you the name and have you guess on what it would be or would you sure. like to hear more background? So uh, the title is sure. called the the purpose filter. The purpose filter. Mm. The purpose filter. So tell me what. So what's the yeah? Have you done a ten word? Yes. So yeah. yes. Um, the ten word description is: it's a podcast that helps living people apply dying lessons before it's too late. I love that. First, is that ten words? That's ten words on the dot. Damn, that's a good one. That's really, really impressive for you. But you know, your the the purpose. What was the name of the title again? The purpose filter, as in like um, kind of using the lens of dying as a filter for how we live our lives now um, with intention and purpose. So that was the reasoning behind why I chose it. And I'm also not entirely purpose filter. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so just just FYI, people, uh, you know, I, I tend to be very unfiltered in my response to things. So uh, please don't be offended if I say if I say like that I don't like this or something like that. the the or, uh, the the purpose filter sounds like a self help seminar. 
Mm-hmm. It's not serving you as well as that 10-word description is serving you. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that, I listen to that 10-word description, and I want to hear that show. I want to hear it, right? So how can you borrow some of that moxie and put it into your title? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking, like, I don't know, live as if you're dying, like uh, that sort of thing. Um, and That's then not bad. The other... That's actually a great title. um yeah and then the other thing is that i'm also like that's great yeah i'm also a end-of-life physician i'm also a life coach so like part of that is you know putting that all together so um, that's kind of where my head has been trying to yeah figure that out and if you had a a choice between the if you had a choice between the purpose filter or live as if you're dying a uh, hundred and five out of a hundred times, I would pick "Live as if you're dying." Yeah. Okay. And just yeah, is, just an idea of like how much more evocative uh, a title that is, mm-hmm. um, especially given what you're you're trying to do. I think first off, it sounds like a great idea for a podcast. It's not just a great ten word statement. It sounds like a great idea for a podcast. And who are you targeting it at? So the right now, it's um, it's female professionals who essentially because that's who I'm the podcast is meant to also be a way to funnel into my life coaching business and eventually beyond and all that stuff um and so that would be female professionals who you know feel stuck and want to feel like themselves again by applying these lessons of the dying so the life coaching thing is very honest of you to admit that that's that's a goal for you and it should it's there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think that's a natural byproduct of hosting this. Like okay. I I put out a newsletter like we mentioned earlier and I give away a lot of free advice. I give away a lot of free advice. I never once have asked people would you like to hire me. And yet I have a lot of business I get as a result of that um, from companies and so on and so forth and could do more right? Like if you present yourself as someone who is a great convener of ideas and stories and people um, and uh, is empathetic, and people are going to gravitate towards you. And when they do, they can, they'll learn about the other things you do. I do a podcast with a relationship therapist named Esther Perel called Where Should We Begin? It's a huge, huge podcast, right? And Esther never mentions how to see her or things like that. And yet she has 1,500 people in the waiting list to see her, right? It's, a, it's just a natural byproduct of doing that work. You know, her speaker, like she gets, some, we do two podcasts with her. One's about relationships, the other one's about workplaces. And she does these things where she talks to co-founders and, and co-workers and so on and so forth about work. And she gets tons and tons and tons of requests to come in and consult with companies about their work culture. She's not even trying to generate that as a business. Doesn't even really say that that's part of her business. And people hear her on that podcast, like, I want that woman to help me solve my problems. And I think that the same thing would happen to you too. So that's, it's a, it's like, be the convener, be the person that creates and nurtures the community and people, and, and that kind of stuff will follow. It just does. Okay. Yep. That helps a lot. And now I have to blow up my um, website and prior branding, but I'll do it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do anything. I just say, you know, I, I believe, I'm a big believer that most of the obstacles we face are internal, like they're, they're of our own making rather than external. And like, oh, it's so hard to produce a podcast. Like someone will come to me 
with a with a bad ten word description, no clear target of who their audience is, and a title that doesn't really say very much. Um, and they'll say, "Wow, being successful in podcasting is so hard." No, it's not. Your your main three problems are you, right? So, and and sometimes people get so in love with a concept or a piece of art or a title or whatever that they're okay with with dealing with the fact they won't be they could be more successful if they made changes. They don't want to make changes. They like the way it is because fun for them to do it that way. That's cool. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sure. All right. So we have about 15 minutes left and we have three questions left. So perfect timing. I'm actually going to start off with one that we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but the person who had submitted it was having trouble accessing the call. Um, And that question was sort of one about uh, the future of podcasting. So if you could just briefly touch on that again, because that person has since been able, that person, Diane, has since been able to join the call, that would be fantastic. And then we'll move on to a few fresh ones. How would I, how would I answer that succinctly? I would say there will always be an interest in hearing compelling voices and compelling stories and compelling ideas. Always, always, always. Uh, The, the, the mechanisms around it will continue to change. They will continue to evolve. You know, uh, Spotify accounts for about 25% of the podcast downloads globally now. It was 0% five years ago, right? Um, uh, a number of years ago, seven, eight years ago, a podcast required that you downloaded something on your phone, a file on your phone. Most podcast apps don't do that anymore. They stream them to you because you have pretty much constant change. The speed of things has changed. The apps of all the interfaces will change. Um, the players will change, like everything around. Like, so I spent three and a half years working at Amazon. And uh, my former boss, Jeff Bezos, uh, was once asked about what's the future going to be like. And he said, don't. in fact, I might, this is in the book, I think, too. For those of you who've read the book, uh, he used to say, what's not, what, uh, trying to predict the future is not as interesting as talking about what is not going to change in the future. And in Amazon, that's Amazon. Price, select comes, we only care about if that new idea is going to make it better uh, for us to offer a better price, better selection, or better service. And when you think from that, and that is never going to change, no matter what happens in the world, the economy, whatever, those are still the three core principles of Amazon, and they won't change. And when delivery makes total sense when you think about it in that perspective, because that's removing friction from service and getting things to people faster. And so that's why Amazon makes this huge investment in drones is because that's the regards what changes the world that's going to make things easier. So coming into podcasting or, oh, there's a new app or there's a new service or whatever. It's like, what is the most important thing I do? And the most important thing you do often is I tell stories. I, uh, I convene community. Fantastic. Thank you so much for touching on that again. And Diane, there's a little bit of a longer answer, I think, given at the beginning of the call. So this will be posted uh, in Kajabi if you want to go back and hear us discuss this question a little bit further. Uh, but thank you again, Eric, for touching on that. And actually, we kind of have a follow up question, which is, do you have any thoughts uh, sort of speaking of the mechanisms and technology that sort of changes, do you have any thoughts on YouTube and podcasting? Because that's something we get a lot of questions about. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about YouTube and podcasting. This is attempt uh, number three or four for YouTube to to uh, be engaged in podcasting, and they've screwed all the others up and kind of fizzled out. And so there's a pretty high pr- probability that they will screw this up too. 
Okay, so that's so so I wouldn't worry too much about like am I missing out by like jumping in immediately with YouTube and podcasting. That said, I'm gonna say something that sounds very contradictory to what I just said. Depending on where you are in the world, YouTube is either the number three, number two, or number one platform for listening to podcasts. That lots and lots of people listen to podcasts. Even podcasts have a static image, and that's it. They use pot they use YouTube as a listening platform. You see a lot of music consumption happening on YouTube too. People just listen to music on YouTube. Sounds weird, but that's what the, that's what they want to do. You know? And one thing I know is don't second guess listeners. If that's what they want to do, let them do it. Right. So if you're looking at there's a huge opportunity. So so I think my advice is it's a lot of the hosting platforms are starting to build connections to post videos on YouTube. And if you can do that with a click of a button or a semi-automated process, it basically costs you nothing to do outside of the time of setting it up. And you potentially can find more listeners that way. So I don't see anything wrong with it. So what I'm hearing is that YouTube shouldn't necessarily be a priority. However, if you can work it into your workflow in a way that's not taking up a ton of time, it's beneficial. Uh, go where the listeners go. And there's a lot of people who want to listen to podcasts on YouTube. I just wouldn't worry too much about missing the boat or not figuring out how YouTube is trying to establish a presence and let, let everybody else figure that out. And there'll be plenty of time. I've often with new things been really unconcerned with being the first person to do it. Uh, when I was at NPR, I often would counsel us against like, let's not be there on launch day. Let's kind of let people learn a bunch of lessons and then we'll figure out what to do. And that was at NPR, right? It was like, we could do anything we wanted to supposedly. So uh, I was like, let, no, let's kind of walk into this slowly rather than rush into it and be the one who's making all the mistakes. Love that. And with a, yeah, for an independent creator with very limited amount of time and resources, I just wouldn't get yourself too stressed about what they're doing. Love that. Let other people make the mistakes first. Then once everybody else has figured it out, use what they learned. We did have some questions that were sent to me in the chat. Um, Aaron, if you want to message me uh, your question, I'd be happy to ask it. So let me look at. I, yeah, I haven't had a chance to look at the chat at all. So I'm just too busy <laughs> answering things. So uh, if anything's no, uh, no problem. Intimidated. Don't be intimidated. Yeah, I was going to say Eric's uh, fantastic, super nice. He's not, he doesn't fight. Um, but she says she was just jumping in on the same. Oh, here she is. Aaron. Hi. Yeah. I was just like, everybody was talking hi. about names and I, hi, sorry. Um, yeah. You were talking about names and it was interesting to hear your feedback on that. And as many people in here know, I'm in the process of rebranding and um, I mean, I'm pretty much doing it, but it was like, you're here. And so I thought I would bring it up. Hi. Okay. So the current name so of the show. You, hi. Yeah. The current name of the show is conversations with parents who write and then what I want to change it to is parents right now, W-R-I-T-E. Parents right. And they, 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 what do you want to change it to? Parents right now. Parents right now. Conversations with parents who write is not a terrible title. I mean, it depends. You know, what are you trying to, you know, one of the things I've learned about like, any kind of parent space. So we produce a, a, just a kind of a insanely popular podcast called Good Inside with Dr. Becky. It's like number one in the family kids space. Um, does half a million downloads a month. It's kind of a crazy, huge juggernaut show. When we look at the data from that show, I, it just shows you, anybody who needs convincing uh, how time poor parents are, 
the first minute of that show is this huge amount of and then the second minute of the show it's like half the listening people are listening the first minute to decide is this relevant interesting to me and if it's not they go away like my kid doesn't have tantrums don't care boom gone right or my kid does say no a lot so i'm going to stay and listen so it, they are making an immediate they just don't have time to deal with subtlety it's like get be very super clear with them and tell them what you're doing up front and they will decide if they have time for you or not right and one of the things we're changing with dr becky who's already insanely popular is we're making we're having her switch her intros to say this episode is about 25 minutes long and in the, at the end of that 25 minutes you'll have three tips on potty training that you didn't have before mm. like make a promise i talk about this a lot with podcasters lately make a promise and i think that this is apropos nothing to do with your title it just happens you just happen aaron to talk about the kids or the parent space yes. serving parents and one thing i've learned with working with dr becky and parents for the past couple months has been make a promise fulfill that promise and make that promise something that they can see the value of immediately and so it's like you know it and as literal as in the next half hour, at the end of the half hour, you're going to know how to do, the next time someone does this, you'll know how to do this better. Something, uh, someone I was just editing the other day, uh, it was about gun violence and mm -hmm. mass shootings. And you know, mass shootings are something that nobody is happy about. Everyone wish they could be, uh, be, be less and no one knows what to do. And 45 minutes from now, you'll have a couple tips that may not prevent a mass shooting, but we might help identify somebody who's in trouble and needs an intervention mm -hmm. who, who might be subject to that. And, and so you're like, okay, I'll give you 45 minutes for that. Okay, I'm here. Let's learn. You know, so I, I don't know. I just kind of went on a rant there about because you just happened to talk about doing something no, with parents. But I, the literalness of your title yeah. is, is not don't make it complicated. You know, parents right now is is a little bit more complicated. Even though it's fewer words, it's a little bit more complicated conceptually. Interesting. So that sounds like advice to stick with conversations with parents who write, even though it's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, but it's pretty, pretty damn clear. All right. Well, I appreciate you know? that. Thanks. I'm glad I asked. Yeah. Um, so, so sometimes, sometimes you know, people talk about I'm, I'm rebranding or I want, to, I, I, I want to make a change. I want to make, you know, get a different co-host or I want to change. I'm like, I love the energy and self-reflectiveness involved in wanting to do an action like that. And yeah. sometimes you can channel that into something that'd be more impactful for you than just coming up with a different name or a different logo, or different artwork. Yeah. You know, like all that stuff is important. I'm not saying it's not important, but sometimes it's like, okay, I, I, I have yet to meet a podcaster who had time on their hands. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know what to do with myself. Everybody fills up their, their the time they have available and they probably spend more time on their project than they should. Yeah. Everybody, all levels up to full-time professionals. So you really have to prioritize like, what is the most you best use of my time. Yeah. I, yeah. Lauren so, had suggested even just shortening down to parents who write rather than conversations with at the beginning. That's how it works. Parents who write. Yeah. I remember actually, I originally looked at that and the URL was stolen <laughs> or it was already in use. So I was like, oh, gosh darn. But I guess for Is podcast, parents who write podcasts in use. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's know, a good point. Uh, I always say, look, I always put the word podcast at the end of it. Like, we have, a, we have a podcast called This Is Dating that we did earlier this year. The URL was gone, but you, This Is Dating podcast was available. There you go. Um, That's a good point. Thank you. 
podcast show. Those are all things that you can add to it. That okay. uh, or another one is another trick that I've seen a lot of people use is use .fm, which a lot of people use that. So they uh, that that it's a very underused um, suffix or whatever that is. And, yeah. Uh, uh, so that might be something to use too. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. Like, because I I try to avoid the cuteness factor. Um, yeah. What I like. I about, don't. I'm a, not a big fan of cute. Yeah, it was it was more the idea of the premise of the podcast is to help parents make time for the writing in themselves. It's um, a great idea for podcasts, by the way, too. Thank you. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, because parenting is hard. Um, <laughs> parenting is hard and writing is hard. Yeah. And writing while parenting is really hard. And that's a niche. It's a niche. It's a good niche. Thank you. Um, people are going to feel alone in that pursuit. People are going to learn from each other. They're going to feel supported. You are convening a community of people who need each other and can learn from each other. That's a really good, that's a really good thing. You got it all going on there. It's good. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much, Eric. I'm going to hit you with one last question uh, before we have got to get going, which is, and I realize this is super general, so it might be a little tough to answer. But the question I have is, do you have any general advice you can give to independent podcasters who are struggling to gain traction with their show or consistently grow their show? Any sort of overall last statement Um, that addresses that? So I think a lot of the things that you learn in these workshops and this this gathered to the Grow Your Show group are probably incredibly, incredibly wise uh, and smart. One thing I counsel everybody to do, and this is from people who are independence making a podcast in their, you know, their, their home office or the living room up to major media corporations that I, I give advice to is there's only one metric for success that matters and that's the one that, that matters to you. Like like there's no like I have to have 10,000 downloads or I have to have 100,000 downloads or I have to have a million downloads or 10 million downloads. Right? Um, every show has a different metric for success. And sometimes it's downloads, sometimes it's other things. You know, I know someone who does a, a podcast for cancer survivors and uh, people who, and it is for that very special community of people who are cancer survivors and they, they have a different world experience than many of the rest of us do. And so his metric for success is not downloads. He pays no attention to downloads. Like he'll get an email every once in a while. He'll even say in the podcast, I'd love to hear your story about how this podcast helped you. And occasionally someone will write him and say, say, thank you. I, I really feel seen. I feel heard. I feel part of something. And it's like, that makes him, it puts him on a high. Like that's a great measure of success. So I think the advice I would give to you is think about what success really means. Uh, if success means a certain number of downloads so you can get advertising so you can make money. Sure. Right. But that's not the stuff that makes your heart beat fast. That's not the reason you started doing it was to, you know, get a certain number of downloads of statistics. There was a reason you wanted to do this. And just focus on that and, and make sure that you realize that just because somebody else is getting 5,000 downloads an episode or a million downloads an episode doesn't mean that you have to in order to be successful. I was When I was doing the book tour for Make Noise, which was right before the pandemic, I went to Philadelphia. Tell the story quickly. I know we got to go. I went to a bookstore in Philadelphia, or actually it was a library in Philadelphia and did a book event there. And these two people came up and introduced themselves to me and said, we have a podcast. And I could tell from them that they wanted me to ask what their podcast was. And uh, I said, well, what's your podcast? And they said, 
we have a podcast that we're making uh, for our, our colleague who's on maternity leave who wants to know all the office gossip, but she's on maternity leave. And so we make this where we talk about the office gossip so she can keep keep up with things. And I said, so you have a target audience of one and you have got one listener and you are absolutely successful. And they said, yes, they were delighted. And I said that you are more successful than most podcasters because you have defined your audience. You've found your audience. You're 100% successful with that. So think like that. Think like those two. That is so cool. I love that. <laughs> I love that podcast idea. Uh, hopefully their coworkers don't find it though. Might, I, might make I, it was years ago at the beginning of the pandemic. So I bet the colleague is, is back at work or, or something's happened since then. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much, Eric. Uh, you dropped some gold sure. for everybody. Uh, I know you're a big help. So we really appreciate you guys coming on. Do you have anything else you want to plug one last time? Your newsletter? No, there's a link in the chat somewhere to the newsletter. Feel free to sign up. It's uh, it tends it's it's very creator focused and it's very kind of like I try to make it so people, big companies and small independents, can always find things in it that they're interested in. So I would encourage you to sign up for that. 